following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to your favorite Tuesday you've had all week. You know what cracks me up is when you, you lay out a joke right before we go on the air. And you know you've been uh, hovering over that cough for a little while because you feel like you have smoker's cough when you don't smoke, right? Like you start kind of choking a little bit as you're trying to laugh because there's still that little layer of cr- like crud in your throat. I but don't David, know what David, you're like, about. yeah, David likes to tell me I have kennel cough. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, it is not kennel cough. It's just <laughs> nagging, never goes away. It's like, did you bring the kennel cough back? No. It is not kennel cough. But we'd love to have fun and talk about finance. And here we are laughing our way through the show on Tuesday. So uh, Tuesday afternoon and uh, you're joining us. If if you're just joining us, it's so the True Wealth Show. And today is a back to the roots show. But it's also something that has been on my brain for a little while. And I'm going to surprise Katie with the topic only because she has been uh, out in a boot. Out in a boot. Yeah, she's been a boot town and uh, doing a number of things. But uh, I want us to first, I've got to remind you of some anchor principles. Okay. Anchor principles for the True Wealth Show. Um, One of them is that it's not about the money. Okay. Which sounds funny because it's a finance show. It's, I mean, it is about the money, but if your goal is more, you're going to fail. Right. Because the game of more has no ending. There is no satisfaction. There is no victory. It's just once I got more, then I have to go get even more. True. It is a treadmill and it is a recipe for defeat, honestly, because you will ultimately find the frustration that somebody else always has more. Okay. So you can never win at the game right, of so more. You can't win at the game of more. Okay. Good uh, principle. Good why did you say anchor? Anchor makes it sound like it's heavy and burdensome. No, no anchor is a point that you could turn like a principle. Okay, it's let's say principle is a, a tie down point. Okay, right. So that's what so I mean. This is something number that one. You need to. This is a pillar. Um, and when I say anchor, like we talk about uh, anchor tenants in philosophy. Okay, so that's one of these that I'm talking about. Okay, so it's it's the immovable post. Okay, okay, and another one is that the definition of money. The right? definition of money. Right. So what is money? We talk about that. You know the definition of this. We talk about definition this of money the or the definition of true wealth. So no, what is money? Money is how we trade our time. How we trade our time. And then what is what do we call true wealth? True wealth is the things that the money affords us. So it's the memories and um, right. experiences that we create by I trading was, our time. I say, you know, it's uh, somebody once said it. It's the things that money can't buy and death can't take away. But that was a little bit too, uh, like, like new agey for me. Okay. I, I'm not really a new agey type guy about that stuff. It's like, no, I don't want crystals and uh, meditation. True wealth, though, it's the friendships and the relationships that we build and it's the memories we make. 
Right. Right. Those are the experiential things that money affords us. And research will play this out. I'm not just making this up as if it is a new age touchy feely. The the research will play out that experiences are more significant in our, in our mind than things. Right. Right. We quickly adapt to the stuff. You always wanted to get that new car and you finally got the new car. And for a while it was cool, but a year later, it's not new Doesn't to you matter. anymore. Yeah. You've adapted to it, and now it's just the thing in your life, and you're on to, well, now I just need this other new thing. Whereas uh, something like a travel experience, and you maybe you're not into travel, but the idea is that the example works like this. You have the anticipation, the actual going through the process, and in the memories thereof. Right. And the great part about the memories is you romance them. Oh, yeah. No, you forget right? all the horrible things <laughs> yeah. like they lost your luggage and you got stuck behind a crying baby. And you remember the cool things like sitting yeah. on the beach having margaritas. Yeah, sometimes the experience itself isn't even the highlight. But looking forward to it and then romancing the memories, right? Right. Like, no, it's... it's uh, this, by the way, is the danger of like your ex that when you're lonely, they're better than you remember them. But remember, <laughs> you left because everybody's ex is a psycho. Got That's it. how this Got works. It. Well, uh, when you were talking about like the game of more, how does that work with adventures? Because I feel like that with vacations. Like I always want to go on another vacation or I always want to go experience a new place. Well, experiences, let's talk about and you're going to bring this right into the topic that I wanted to discuss today. I want to talk about the millionaire mindset. Ooh, I like that. Okay. The millionaire mindset uh, and what is it that folks that tend to be financially successful but still manage some – I want to talk about – I want success with balance. Okay, Success with balance. Success with balance okay. because uh, my definition of success does not mean spending 80 hours a week in the office and never seeing my kids grow up. No. Right? That doesn't that, sound fun at all. That doesn't sound like a good balance at all. No. And to the, you know, there are folks out there that are working multiple jobs trying to make ends meet and life is really frustrating. They're out of balance. Okay. And so I want to talk about the millionaire mindset. And some of this will also be for you that are uh, having a conversation with somebody that may be frustrated. Maybe you are frustrated. And maybe you're trying to figure out how to get on track with the way you make decisions and and the way and so this is another one of these principles that we talk about right okay maybe what it is is we need to start to change your relationship with money we've talked about that a couple right? times on the show we've too talked your about relationship this on the show with we money. talk about it in our office often we do right the relationship people have with money is interesting and and it's unique for each of us but it's what you've seen what you've experienced your thoughts and opinions all of that gets wound up into it some people have a real toxic relationship with money right now you would think as a listener how is that possible yeah it's it's a funny thing but there are folks that will if you've heard the phrase pride and poverty Okay. Uh, and when I think of pride in this case, I'm thinking of an unhealthy pride, not like it's neat as a parent to watch my child achieve something, right? That's a kind of a pride that I think is sort of a loving pride. I'm talking about proud like you're just unable to be re reasoned with. So this you is the person that says, I'm not going to go to work unless if it's the perfect job for the amount of money I want and won't go to work and do anything else. 
that may be a job that they feel is beneath them. There, or, there is some of that, right? It's like, you're unwilling you know, to do something because you're just above it. Uh, that you're, but which that's is, the attitude, right? I'm right. Not, I don't have a lot of examples to lay out. But it's the attitude is that folks will develop a certain pride in circumstance. And what they will do is they will rationalize where they're at and then they will actually mock other people for it. Okay. But I but the example kind of that I was going for, I think, is a good example because having been a coordinator of FPU, you know, if you don't have enough financial financial peace peace university, university, it's not a cuss word, by the way. um, (laughs) There's a time when I say, you know, like if you're a lot of the people that are in the class are working 40 hours a week. But my thing is, like, if you're broke, go to work, right? Pick up an extra job, do something extra. And I think sometimes emotionally, especially if they are a business professional, that's really hard for them, you know, because they are they don't want to lower themselves to certain jobs for money. Right. And we're going to – I want to unpack that a little bit as well. So bring me back to that as a concept. But I first want everybody to get the mentality, right? Uh, folks that have a toxic relationship with money, it happens on both ends of the spectrum. There are folks that actually will say, well, you know, if you have money, it makes you a bad person somehow. Yeah, so right. I'm broke, so I must be an angel. Uh, and then you will have <laughs> folks that Not me personally. Uh, will say that because I have a lot of money, it makes me important. Okay. Right? So they will use it to sort of justify or almost become arrogant because of it. Okay. And then there are what I love, and frankly, I really love this about our local community. There are what I call, there's sort of silent money. There are folks that could be walking right next to you, you'd never know any different, that have tremendous amounts of resources, and they are very generous and benevolent in the community. Uh, They oftentimes make donations, they support a lot of things, and nobody's ever any wiser for it. Yeah, like they don't wear flashy right. clothes, they yeah. don't drive flashy cars. They don't make they a lot of pomp and circumstance. They live in normal, modest houses. Yeah, they're just uh and I think that that is within reach. I'm here to tell you that in spite of whatever political circumstance you believe is out there, personal circumstance, whether you have structural challenges, any of that, I think the American dream is still alive. I believe it is. Okay. The American dream, in my opinion, is still alive. And so you need to adopt some of them. And, and if I call it the millionaire mindset, what I mean is the attitudes and the approaches that folks that end up being successful millionaires take. Well, one of the things that Dave Ramsey says, and of course, taught the class many times, you kind of listen to it over and over again, and is he says, if you want to get in shape, then go find the guy at the gym that has like a six pack and go do what he does. Like if you want to be rich, do what rich people do. If you right. want to be bro- broke, then do what broke people do. But like you are going to find the example that you need to give you the lessons to the place you want to go. Right. And what I want to do also is remember one key element for the folks that have toxic relationships with money on either side of the spectrum. They're not wholesale wrong. The person that doesn't have a lot of money that's angry with people that have money, well, that there may be some truth in that the folks that have a lot of money kind of lord it over them. They make policy, they become a little bit elitist in attitude. And first of all, this is America. One of the really cool experiments on this planet where, uh, in theory, people get equal opportunity. Now, people don't start in the same place. 
No. Okay, there's this really interesting um, video that's run around on social media, and everybody's starting on a starting line, and then there's a finish line at the other end of a grassy field, and then they start calling out different circumstances in somebody's life, and they say, okay, if you... If your parents are still married, you know, take three steps forward, and then this, take more steps forward. And the illustration is that, look, some people get a head start in life. And I would say, while that is true that we don't all have the same circumstance, and there are certainly things that make it harder, right? So I'm not going to discount those things. But where's the failed assumption in that illustration? And it's that not everybody's running to the same finish line. Because oh, this true. is America, right? right? We get different options. And some people's finish line is much farther away. Uh, it's in a different direction. Right. It may change over time because right. they may get to one spot and choose to go somewhere else. So when you said that, I instantly thought of like child Hollywood actors that grow up to be like normal like accountants and stuff. Yeah, like that. accountants yeah. and lawyers. And like they have a normal job and live in the middle of Idaho or Montana. And right. just they are normal, upstanding community citizens. Right. Uh, you know, and then some that go the other direction. But the the idea here is that when we make the assumption that everybody needs the same stuff in this country, well, one of the beauties of America is that there's this sort of limitless subset of opportunities. Now, I'm not going to turn this into a political debate about the how or why we access them. What I'm going to talk about is wherever you are in those circumstances, how do we get to how do how do we get our thinking retrained and pointed in the right direction? All right, so how do we train okay. our brain to become a millionaire? Yeah. So the first thing we're going to do is I'm going to talk about a concept called intentionality. Okay. okay. Did you make that up? Nope, I did not. It's actually a word. Intentionality. I'll tell you what it means after this break. Stick around, everybody. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. we got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn and Katie Shuck in studio today talking true wealth. And when we last left our heroes at the break, I had dropped some ridiculous word intentionality. Intentionality. Is that like your superhero name? Intentionality. Uh, if it is, I don't know what the power is going to be other than doing something on purpose. Uh, sounds like every other superhero. Yeah. So as we look, well, it sounds like the kind of superpower anybody could have. Uh, it, maybe it is. And, and it, it may be. As, as we're talking today about the millionaire mindset, I am really trying to help folks out there recapture a framework for how you approach money okay and the decisions that are made in money and the first one needs to be intention okay okay now why is that so important it's so important because many people are reactionary in nature okay they okay. go through life and the, the person that ends up being reactionary sort of inadvertently places you in a position of victimhood Right, which You're, is not a good place to live. It's, it's not a good place to live, and you tend to, to gravitate toward bitter and cynical oftentimes because right. you're not doing anything to steer the direction. It's a it's a ship with no rudder, so the current takes you where you go, and if you don't like the destination, you, you know you're inclined to complain about it, but 
what you don't you change died? the destination. Right. So intentionality means, well, I would like to pick a direction and I want to pick specific behaviors. And I want to, because now if I choose something specific and it doesn't work, guess what? I can learn. There you go. Right. I could say, well, that didn't work. I now know one way to not do it. Right. This is the Thomas Edison philosophy, by the way. Lots and lots of attempts at the light bulb that failed and Wasn't failed. Wasn't it like a hundred and something? More than that. I could look it up for you, but uh, I mean, I think now it was, I, know. I would think it was hundreds of failed attempts. And when asked, hey, you know, was that ever discouraging? He goes, no, I knew that many more ways that it wouldn't work. That it wouldn't work. Yeah. Right. So it's all about your interpretation, too, of what you're doing. Right. Well, like. You have an expression that I love in our office and, you know, we're human. So there's times when we fail and we try to make them not catastrophic. Sure. But you always say, make sure you fail forward. Like right. if you're going to not succeed at this, then make sure you learn and move forward with right. it. Like how and, is it and teaching I you to be better? I can't take credit for that, just so you know. I mean, that's a John Maxwell theme. And uh, John Maxwell is a really prolific author and speaks a lot about leadership. But the concept is so true. You will fail if you are trying. Okay. Uh, it, it, because if you don't try hard enough and you don't fail, then how do you learn? Right. Right. You need some failures because that means you're pushing the envelope. And when you fail, don't let it knock you down and derail you. Let it teach you. And that way you can fail your way forward. You should make incremental, incremental progress through both success and failure. Right. Okay? So always learn from it and refine who you are. And that is really part of the millionaire mindset, by the way. The millionaire understands that I'm going to fall, but I'm going to pick myself back up. Okay? And dust off and try again. Right. Now, and, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. The so same we're not. <laughs> right. Well, expecting or I guess something. a different result. Yeah, right. So, like, I'm so doing it's like, the same oh, thing I'm, and, I'm getting a, yeah. and I want a different result. If you want chocolate right. cake and you keep making vanilla, change the recipe, change what you're doing. Right. Like stop making it with, with vanilla cake and then you will get vanilla cake. Right, and this may sound intuitively obvious to people, but you'd be surprised what we will do because uh, on, on our pathway, we will, what you think you're doing with intention versus what you're doing simply reacting, they're not always uh, inherently evident, right? But the, the, the point of this is you, you need to have an idea what you're attempting to accomplish or an idea what the direction is. You, you need a goalpost, right? Now, beginning of every year, we talk about this. We talk about setting, setting goals, goals for the year. Yeah. Right. And making them measurable. Right. And, and measurable because, again, that's how you can define whether or not you were successful. Okay. Um, setting a goal of I want to lose weight is not as powerful as saying I want to lose 10 pounds. Right. Saying I want to lose 10 pounds by July uh, is even better and saying I want to lose 10 pounds by July and here's what I'm going to do to accomplish it even better is even better right right so you're, you're here's adding the plan the you're, you're, it's becoming a, a process and not just an idea right so you know dreams are just goals without deadlines so if we want to make those dreams become reality we got to put some deadlines and some some guardrails around it so that we can make it real now what happens if you set a deadline and you don't make it? Well, did this is the old expression, you know, like, you know, aim for the moon and hit the stars. Did you make progress? Because if you got closer than you started, then you're still better off. Right. 
doesn't mean you're a failure if you didn't make your deadline. Sure, but not in a negative sense. And I think that's where people struggle. I like that. Yeah, like it's, oh, again, failing forward, right? Like, right. so your goal was to yeah. have, you know, $5,000 worth of debt paid off by the end of the year. And you only got 3000 Are you still successful? Well, you're, yeah, you're, you still I mean, paid off some debt. But that doesn't mean that you've, right. I mean, you didn't, you might not have met your goal in the time that you wanted to. Well, but your goals are too easy if you hit them all. Uh, I, that was another thing that you said that I really liked too. It's like if you if you set all these goals and you managed to meet them all in like the first six months, then yeah, you didn't. Your goal is like wake up and breathe. That's not a goal. <laughs> That's a given. Okay, so you need some goals that are going to make you stretch a little bit, and you don't want them to be comically outrageous. I mean, you know, I'm going to make a gazillion dollars. Okay, that's intangible now. It needs to be something that is sort of grounded in reality, but it needs to be enough of a push that, one, if you miss, the journey itself is going to take you further. Right. Okay. And then, two, is I'm a fan of setting more than one goal at a time. Right. Okay. Now, if you happen to be uh, just a, a myopic, super focused individual that like can only see one thing at a time, uh, it's maybe that works for you. I mean, there are those people, believe it or not, uh, and typically speaking male from a psychological standpoint, right? And they tend to be obsessive compulsive and they pick one thing that becomes that the thing. thing. The thing. And and that's why, uh, and, and again, this may ruffle some feathers when I say this, but I'm not, it's, this is not a sexist comment or not intended as such, but oftentimes you will find males at the very, very peak of a specific um, profession. Like right? an organization. Uh, even like if it is CEO. typically more traditionally associated with women. So, uh, and again, this is, I'm trying to come up with an example, and this is going to seem weird, but let's say sewing or something like that. Actually, I'll give you that one. So at the quilt shows, a lot of um, fabric designers, pattern makers, mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot more men in the industry than you know from that point of view. I mean, right. as as a gender who enjoys the recreation of it, I would say it's predominantly female. Correct. But as the people who provide the supplies to the hobby or to the career in that, um, there I was surprised at how many more men, like men speakers, like I said, pattern designers, fabric designers, um, and, a lot more of it in quilting than I would assume. Right, right. And so what happens is, uh, and I think some of this is just um, the way brains are wired too, right? I mean, we know that uh, on average, women have more neural connectivity than men. They process information differently. Yeah. Uh, men tend to be a little bit more one task at a time, right? right. Like, and, and almost to the exclusion of everything else. And again, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, research around this too, but men will get sometimes hyper focused on something, and the, for the for the group that gets super hyper focused on one thing, they tend to achieve at an extraordinarily high level, at the detriment of everything else in their life. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So my family life's falling apart, but yeah, my career's it's, great. It's like, hey, the house is on fire. Yeah, but you should see how good this thing is. I'm doing <laughs> right. So that's th that's the issue right so they can achieve at a super high level but everything else in their life is kind of a unmitigated disaster so uh, i know when we talked about goal setting at the beginning of the year we're talking about the millionaire mindset um i t i kind of grouped my goals into three different categories like there was personal growth there was career oriented stuff mm -hmm. and then there was um 
finance, right? And under personal stuff, it's personal and family, right? Like things I want to do with my family or things I want to do. Like take a vacation. Yeah, and, like you know. so. Mine was take a vacation with my family that didn't involve going and visiting other family. Like as funny as that sounds, but we have a lot of family out of state, and so a lot of times our vacations tend to be the one time a year I get to go see the other family. So mm-hmm. little funny things like that, but kind of having them in different areas and thinking about how those and all those areas intertwine. Right. But but having specific goals for specific areas of my life was important to me. Um, and I didn't start that way. I just started with a straight goal list the very first year I worked for you. And now I find that I'm kind of sectioning off a little bit more. And um, and my goal lists are getting longer and longer. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have more ambition for myself as I get older. Yep. Uh, so intentionality, intentionality. And how do we try? So what do we do to train our brain to become a millionaire? Well, there are some other highlights right so uh when we talk about the millionaire mindset it's it's what do they think and what do millionaires do okay, okay. Um, one of the things that millionaires uh not exclusively but but often and i'll say mainstream millionaires uh meaning more like the the neighbor next door that you okay. don't realize is a millionaire what's something that they're particularly good at uh deferring gratification yep so it's not the brand new i gotta have it so I, I thought he wrote in his book, and when he wrote The Millionaire Next Door, that a lot of that um, people that qualify under that category, they don't buy new new cars. Like one yeah. of the things they don't do is pay full price for right. a car. And so that's not, just so we're clear, that's millionaire behavior. The Millionaire Next Door is a great book that's been around really for you know a couple decades now. But uh, it talks about the behaviors that, of people that end up amassing significant amounts of wealth. And so this is a millionaire. But again, think about a millionaire 15 years ago. Uh, that's it takes more now. It's, this is the, the two millionaire, right? I think then what I read lately said that in order to like for people to consider themselves millionaires, they had to have like five or more million. Like it's That's not just prob- one million anymore. It's probably closer to reality. So the, for the folks that have, I would guess it's more like three. If you have more than about three million, you're kind of in that category. But whatever the case, uh, I've not read a revision of it recently or anything like that. But see, those are some behaviors right. that we see in folks that are um, really sort of mainstream middle class America that amass a lot of wealth. And one of them is uh, they understand purchasing depreciating assets. Right. Okay. So a depreciating asset is something that once you buy it, it's going to lose value. Right. Okay. Uh, This is why stick built homes versus manufactured homes. For whatever reason, right? Manufactured homes are depreciating assets. So uh, it's maybe a little bit better than just paying pure rent, but it's not really going to it's not going to resale later for, for twenty after yeah, twenty it's, years. Yeah, it's not going to create significant equity. Um, also, the people that run off and buy brand new cars, right? You're going to take a big hit driving it off the lot. Uh, the they always spend less than they make. They, they always they put something in savings, and they tend to be a little bit more conservative in terms of how they dress. Uh, but it, there's yeah, there's a consistent component of savings, and they spend less than they make. I okay, said that. I know that's a magic statement right there. Spend <laughs> less than you make. But yeah, so they always put a little aside for savings, right? right? And then they are there, um, and not necessarily like I was gonna say frugal or thrifty, but that may or may not apply. But they just don't spend more than they need to, right? right? Like they're okay shopping at <laughs> Target and yep. Walmart. Like they don't, they don't. Again, they don't feel like they're above anything, right? And and uh, the but the mindset of that is the the part that I want to focus on as well is that there's these intentional components like savings right like 
investing in their retirement plan. Right. Okay. Uh, and oftentimes buying a rental property or something else. Uh, which, speaking of, uh, there are a couple things that I think we may want to touch on briefly there as well. Uh, we're running a little bit long. Should probably grab a break here. But what I want to mention is, you know, so do I contribute to a retirement plan or do I buy a rental property? Oh, that, great that's a question. question people ask me. Let's All cover the time. that one too as part of this millionaire mindset. That and more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. Got True Wealth with News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. David Littlejohn and Katie Shook. And we're having a great time this afternoon. If you're just joining us, a reminder that you can catch what you have missed so far on the podcast. It'll be available tomorrow at 541radio.com. Or you can check it out now on iTunes under Yay. the True Wealth Show. And you can check it out by linking through our our webpage at littlejohnfs.com. So lots of ways to hunt down the material here. And you may be interested because we've been talking today about the millionaire mindset. And intentionality. Right. So intentionality is one of the key elements of millionaire mindset. Okay. And the millionaire mindset doesn't mean you are a millionaire. It means the mindset that gets you there. Right. Okay. So you may not be a millionaire yet, but what has gotten you more people to that point? Wrong desire to be. Right. So intentionality or doing things with intention, do it on purpose. Okay. And so what do the millionaires or the millionaire mindset, what does it have? Well, intentional goal setting. Which we talked about. Intentional savers. Yes. Right. Uh, and the saving question, I did want to bring up, because at the break we asked this, right? This is a recent question, but it's one that I get so often that really it should be addressed. And it is... Uh, in, how much should I save for retirement? Well, yeah. So how much should we save for retirement? But there's a question beyond it. So first, how much... Uh, this is a reverse engineering question, okay? Okay. So when you say how much... This is if I were to say how much... Uh, how many pairs of underwear should you pack for your trip? How long are you going? Okay, well, now you've <laughs> asked the first question, right? Right. How long will there be laundry facilities? What activities are we involved in? How much right? is the airline going to charge you for the extra luggage? Right, so <laughs> we have decisions to make here, right? So okay. how many drawers do I pack in my bag? So if uh, I walk into your office and I said, David, how much should I save for retirement? Your first question would be? Well, give me an idea what retirement looks like to you. And I, I want to travel three months of the year. Okie doke. <laughs> and where do you want to travel to? Europe. <laughs> okay, so we're going to make it so. So the answer is more. More. 
<laughs> but you just uh, said I couldn't win the game of more. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, so what you just told me is a month of it might need to be spent in Nebraska, <laughs> and I, I need to Nebraska. really look on Come Airbnb. On. It's beautiful okay. in the summer. No, it's but th- so, but those are great questions, and the reason being is what do you plan on doing in retirement? When do you plan yeah, on retiring? You need to know what the cost structure is because right. I can tell you. Look, if I have a hundred thousand dollars in a CD yielding two percent, it's going to pay me two thousand dollars a year in interest. That's a pretty predictable income stream. Right. So how many of those do I need in order to beat my lifestyle? If you want to spend $100,000 a year traveling right, tra- <laughs> and in, in, in retirement, and I go, okay, well, I can. how much of that is covered by pensions or Social Security? Right. And then how much of it do you have to come up with out of pocket? And if the answer is at the end of it all, well, I'm really expensive. I want $100,000 a year of retirement income on top of all these other sources. I'm going to go, okay, well, let's do the math on that thing because we're going to need a big chunk of money. Right. right to the tune of approximately, I think, five million dollars. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> so five million dollars should throw off at two percent, roughly a hundred thousand, if I just did the math in my head right. So that's the idea is that that's the nest egg we need to save for. So yeah, right now the game is more. More. Just get after it. So basically what you told me is live off of beans and rice, don't go anywhere for the next twenty years and put everything I that, make. Or def- <laughs> when are you gonna retire? Right? If you're that's not gonna retire question. until you're hundred and forty, you got plenty of years. Or could I, you know, knock it down to, you know, three weeks instead of three months? <laughs> well, there are lots of levers to pull to manipulate that. But what happens is we have to make these decisions when designing a retirement strategy. So now back to this question that we get asked about, well, should it be in real estate or retirement plans? And the answer is it's probably both. Okay, why? Well, because first of all, diversification is not just a, a word for how to invest in the stock market. While yeah. it is certainly relevant for reducing your non-systemic risk, Right. We've talked about the different types of risk on this program before, but non-systemic risk is the risk that any one of my investments may fail. Right. Right. Systemic risk is when the whole system gets sick and you can't diversify that away because everybody gets affected by it. Right. But diversification helps protect us from that that non-system risk or what we've also called idiosyncratic risk. I just love saying that word. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, it has idiot in it. No, yeah, idiosyncratic <laughs> risk. It just makes you sound so smart. Uh, with with an investment strategy that's 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 in the stock markets but what other kind of investments could we add in there because you know the stock market catches a cold sometimes heck 2008 it caught the flu oh it was was a 50 percent dump uh and that happened in 2000 also right so (coughs) pardon me we it could it can happen right so i like the idea of diversification amongst your strategy so real estate is a tangible asset as opposed to the stock market where you're investing in other people's businesses. Well, and even with real estate, right? We can talk about real estate for a second. So even if you have a property and say that somehow they're slightly correlated, meaning the stock market's going down and the cost of real estate's going down a little bit too. If it is a rental, which is the aim of it, right? In retirement is to have the um, passive income, right? So if it's a rental, as long as it's in a good area and it's rented and you're continuing to receive rental income, then the market may or may not affect you. Like even the real estate market, right? Yeah. It's, it's okay if your house goes down a little in value if you're still getting the same income you got last year. Right, and real assets are, they're more tangible. There's some different elements that go to it. So I like those. Right. right. I like it as a complementary part of a strategy. It's a good passive income strategy. The same way that 
I like uh, dividends as a passive income strategy. I like uh, interest-bearing instruments for right. passive income. So <laughs> a big a big variety of everything. I mean, it's you know, variety is the spice of life. I like that one. Exactly. And, and I like a spice rack. <laughs> a spice. That's just. Yes, there. Right? Well, that's a I mean, variety is not like, you know, an allspice. It's like, no, there's cinnamon and nutmeg and all sorts of other fun stuff and garlic. And by the way, sometimes they don't taste good together, but separately they're awesome. I know. What combo is curry, really, right? It's a lot of spices. <laughs> curry. So anyhow, the, the trick on this one is, so which one do you do? Well, if you are just getting started and you are just building your retirement plan, uh, I think you start there. Uh, it's not that it's a right or wrong, but typically it's a tax-favored instrument. And You start the with the investments you, the, in the market. The reason that you start with the investments that. in the stock market specifically is if you're working for somebody else and there's an employer match. Right. Because you need to invest to get that employer match. Right. That's free money. It's 100% return. It is very hard even doing really killer real estate flip deals, which are a mystery that I never seem to see materialize in real life. But somebody somewhere in Florida is 22 years old and flipping 100 real estate deals a week, according to the internet. Okay, but right? we talked about the Kobe effect. Like, there's always a Kobe effect in every industry, right? Like, not everybody can be Kobe. Brian, right? The basketball. Bryant. Bryant, the basketball star. He's retired. But you talk about the Kobe effect. Like, you know, you I could don't think I've ever used that term before, uh, ever. Okay. Katie's making stuff up now. This is fun. I am not, because you've <laughs> talked about how no matter how hard you try at basketball, like at some point you are who you are, right? Like you may or may not have the skills to be a professional NBA star. Right. Right? Like it's it, it I mean, it's not a will thing. You can't just will yourself to be the NBA star. No matter how hard you practice, no matter what you do, you may or may not qualify. But it's the Kobe effect. Like, he's the only one that could be Kobe. Well, or, I think I've used LeBron, but close enough. Whatever. Pick pick your favorite. But <laughs> Somewhere somebody is getting a chip on their shoulder about who you pick as the favorite. I uh, don't care. I don't even case. follow sports close enough to care. <laughs> so I'm I'm admitting that right now. But, but Amazon's kind of one of those flukes. We talked about the Amazon effect, right? Like, sure. that's kind of a unique thing for an industry and a business and everything else. Like, Well, the he, Amazon effect, though, that really has a... I mean, that's a like businesses get Amazon, right? Amazon shows up, they get into grocery, and all of a sudden Kroger is a stock drops, right? Because they're like, oh, great, now we got this competition from Amazon. It's going to devalue our company. So that's what they mean by the Amazon effect. But we're off track. Doggone it, Katie. Sorry. They're but chasing, point, chasing windows point and Point being dragons. is there can be somebody, but it, you were talking about real estate and investments. Right. So you get the free money first. Right. Because th that's just the best return that you're going to get is the, the, the immediate match from your employer. Now, it puts it into a retirement structure, so it's longer term and tax deferred. Uh, so, but but I look at this and go as a, as a rule of thumb, you want to be saving not less than fifteen percent of your income. Right? And why fifteen percent? Well, because by and large, that's the amount. If you're say under about forty five and you start at about that amount, it should be roughly enough in a traditional investment portfolio to get you the size nest egg you're going to need come retirement time at about age sixty five. Right. And there's a lot of ifs and sort of soft phrases in there because you need things to go the right way and you need the timing to be such that when you retire it's not at a big dip in the market and so forth but that's the point is that 15 percent is kind of a rule of thumb to to get started now how can you sort of leverage that well let's say that you get a five percent 
match from your employer, maybe more realistically 3%, but I want to keep the math easy. Let's do five. <clears throat> so you've got a 5% match from your employee, but you really want to go, or employer, and you really want to go start buying rentals. So you put 5% in and they match you 5%, you're at 10 right there. Okay. So, but that's you, not 15. You could actually put a 10% of your own money. So, 5% goes into your retirement plan. The other 10% savings, you start your uh, rental portfolio. So, you start saving for rentals. I'll let you do that because they're parallel assets. But what I don't want you to do is just select only one strategy because what you're doing at that point is you are over concentrating you know the folks that only own rental properties ask them how they felt in 2008 oh right yeah. that was a really painful time now you may have had a retirement plan in 2008 as well but that really was a stinger the reality though is for most people by 2011 or 12 they had recovered the full value of their retirement plan if they didn't take and cash if they out. didn't jump ship right right whereas real estate markets took several years more to climb back out in most cases right so but again, if the property was free and clear, as a, true as a rental, and you had the income the whole entire time, yeah, then it then the value is a little much less. What the value important. fluctuates because the rental income stream is consistent, right? Assuming that it's rented, right? You have other issues with real estate we're not going to delve into today, but you get the idea that one is not in immediately superior to the other. They are both part of a healthy strategy, and I think that investors should have components of both. And that's part of the millionaire mindset is that you want to have multiple streams of income to fortify your strategy. Right. All right. So there are a couple other things that I want to talk about from the millionaire mindset. We better grab our last break. Sounds Otherwise, good. we're going to run out of time in the show and it'll get all weird. So, uh, <laughs> so stick with us. We got one more thing. Uh, and this one is worth waiting for. So we'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook is sitting here in studio. And, you know, we have talked a great deal today about uh, millionaire really, mindsets. Yeah, the millionaire mindset. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a millionaire, but it, it's the idea that for those of you that are on that path, how does the millionaire think? You know, what what's the thought process that you need to get to being a millionaire? And we've talked about doing things with intentionality. So setting goals, <clears throat> being intentional, having a plan, savings, doing all those things on purpose. Right. Talked about delayed gratification. Right. A really big one that if you don't have the money, don't spend it. Right. Spending less than you earn. Right. Saving. Uh, and the the last one that I wanted to cover today, the millionaire mindset. Uh, it's the, the person that takes a very honest and protective view of their time and their personal bandwidth. Why protective? Well, protective because, you know, you heard this before, time's the one thing that you can't get back. Right. Right. And so protective meaning that they're really deliberate about where they spend their energy. Now, we joked at the break about this, right? But you can put your energy into two different things. You could put it into things that get you out of bed in the morning or things that suck your will to live 
Right. And for everybody, that is something different. <laughs> right. And whatever it is out there that is just sucking your will to live, what that does is it just takes this big old deposit out of your energy cha- channel. Yeah, right? it takes you know, your like, full balloon and deflates it. I got this energy basket, it. and I've just taken this huge Ugh. withdrawal. Nobody wants um, to do that. And when you do some things, you make deposits in that energy tank, right? It, it, it brings you a certain amount of uh, joy and pleasure in the process. And so doing more of that kind of charges you up. Right. So it's very important that you manage your personal energy and focus. And so the millionaire mindset, they get that. Right. Right. They really get that. And, the, and so one of the things millionaires are really good about is outsourcing and delegating we've talked about that on the show we have uh so delegating is just making sure and this has to do with at work if, if you're the employee and not the employer this is tougher because the boss oftentimes sets more of the agenda but the idea is to find the complementary skills within your team and give each other you know trade the work back and forth so that everybody's doing the things that bring them more energy right. find ways to work together and get those economies of scale as a team right but if you are if you have the ability to outsource certain things sometimes it's really worth it so I mean, david what's an example of something you outsource yard service okay okay so i grew up with a very large yard in the you know farmland and so mowing to me was this a chore that would never leave, right? And, and acres and acres of lawn mowing. And I am not, I, I enjoy a nice yard, but mowing is not therapeutic for me. It's just uh, this thing I have to go deal with. And so it's not fun. I right. don't want to do that. I don't want to get out there and weed and trim. I love the yard to look nice, but I just, it doesn't bring me energy to deal with it. So we ultimately, we hired a yard service at, you know, <coughs> it was a cost, at a cost. to do. But and that's the, where you evaluate your time and what your cost is and whether or not the joy and the free time it brings to you is worth the expense. And what happened is I ended up being so relieved and so happy to come home to this nice manicure yard tell that the, you didn't have to do. all the time how pleased I am because <laughs> I'm just delighted that it's not me. Uh, and I, they do a good job too. But uh, it's... It, it's brought so much more energy that I come into the office happier and more productive right. and more focused. And so I'm able to apply a lot more energy to the job. And ultimately, I think it's resulted in more revenue for our organization. So it has paid for itself in freeing up and, and making those deposits back into my energy tank. And you and I have talked about <coughs> CEOs that, you're, that you know, whether they're friends or, you know, however you want to explain it, um, who are really good at focusing on what like on the right energy, right. right? Focusing on the right tasks and not being distracted or bothered by meaningless stuff that but, sucks your will. And and this is why I say the millionaire mindset requires honest, reflective assessment of time and where you're putting your energy. If you are sucked into social media all day and arguing with people, guess what? No fruit. No. It, it, will, it will bear no fruit in your life to do that. It's just no. a time suck and an energy suck, and the arguing is just going to make you kind of cranky. So you have to decide, is it worth having in my life? You know, Where am I placing my energy? So I have something that's worth having in your life. 
A wills and trusts workshop. Aha, yes. <laughs> this what by the way, this is also a form of hygiene. Whether you like it or not, it may suck your will to live, but you still you bit all the more reason to get to but it. But you're right? still living, so yeah. get it done while yeah. you're still alive. Because sucking what? your will to live, you better hurry up and take care of it. Uh will and estate workshop. Yeah, as you can tell, we're we're nearing the end of our time today on the show, so I just want to throw this one out there. Katie, when is this? I believe it's next Thursday. Yes. So it's the eighteenth. So From six to, be, uh, six to eight or six to nine-ish. A lot of it depends on crowd participation. Yeah, but I think I, we're going to start at 6 p.m. It may not go that late. It's usually about 6 to about 7.15 or so before it's just into the question answer time. And we stay as long as we need to to get everybody dialed in. But we've got attorney Derek Simmons will be joining us. Right. And It's uh, at our office at Little John Financial Services. Right. It is free to attend. Well, the reason we ask for RSVPs is so I know how many cookies to buy. Right. Well, it's we got to get you sugared up so you pay attention. <laughs> so uh, we would love to have you go to our website uh, to RSVP. I think we're on Facebook and that kind of stuff, too. Right. Or just call the office at 541-375-0898. All right. So you heard it here, gang. We'd love to see you at that workshop. Uh, we are out of time for the day. So uh, thank you, Katie, as always, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Until next time, this has been True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.